Hi. You guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome back to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, a uh, famous football podcaster. With me, <laughs> as always, is uh, one-time movie director, Bubby Castrone. Hey, what Bubby. Was, what was sadder? Famous football podcaster or one-time movie director? <laughs> I think the reason why it works is because they're <laughs> equally sad. I think you're right. Because on one hand, um, to be a one-time movie director is to say you directed a movie. Right. And a real movie, Flock of Dudes, real which you movie. can purchase a physical copy in Australia. <laughs> 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 and you can catch it streaming. Yeah, um, it's streaming in, here America. in America. Yeah. And uh, if you are in the UK, I, I don't know what to tell you. I might be hands off. At I this think point. it's streaming. Is there. it out there? Yeah. Check it out. Bob actually directed a movie with a, a great all star cast. And I am a football um, podcaster, which, you know, is pretty cool. But we've, you know, we've, it's come, limited. Along, we've come a long way because in uh, 2003, when I was, or no, 2005, when I was a blogger. Mm, yeah. And I'd have to tell people I was a writer because they didn't know what a blogger was. Right. There was a lot of Parents shame. Parents didn't understand. There was a lot of shame to the word blogger. But here we are, a scant 13 years later, and the word podcaster carries some weight. Mm. You're a podcaster. That You just got me hard. You, I'm, I feel like Boyd Tinsley right now. <laughs> and you're taking it down to the base. Still topical. Still topical. It was like it happened weeks and weeks ago. <laughs> uh, yes, welcome to the Throwback Podcast. It is, listen, Bob, we we're finally have come down the yellow brick road and we've reached a YouTube podcast because it is Dealer's Choice. And uh, my favorite band, U2, we've, we've danced around them for some time now. And now we will uh, take it head on. Uh, Zuropa, their 1993 um I don't know what I still don't know really what Zuropa is, but we're going to get into one of probably the strangest U2 album, Zuropa. You know, I get blamed a lot for us uh, never doing U2 on the podcast because I don't don't like U2. Right. Don't care about U2. Right. Uh, Feels personal toward me. It's a little personal towards you. But um, I, for the listeners, they need to know I have proposed doing U2 multiple times right and you have said nope not ready not ready to uh not ready to do this with you not looking forward to this don't want to do it so i'm actually happy tonight not that i'm going to be listening to you too don't care about that you're gonna fall in love tonight i am happy that you are finally comfortable enough with me to listen to a full u2 album <laughs> with me tonight well i think honestly what it is is like when it comes to you two I think the number one misconception that people have that don't like U2 or hate U2 or hate Bono is that U2 fans love everything U2 does. And they've been around literally forever at this point. And it's like, oh, these guys, they'll, they'll like stand for anything Bono or U2 related. But the truth is, like, one of the best things about being a U2 fan is there are so many different eras for the band that you could hate some of the stuff they did or not like it as much. Uh, but when you're talking to a U2 fan about it, it's kind of fun. And it's like you can talk about almost like a sports team. like And like, oh, I hated that season. I hated what they were doing then. I love what they were doing then. But then you have this large army 
of U2 haters uh, that as a U2 fan, they're just kind of exhausting because it's different when an outsider that that is not a Bono fan or isn't a U2 fan is coming hard after the band. It's like, no, only we get to say bad things about U2. You don't get to do it. I know it's a little weird, but that's that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, you guys. I mean, it kind of sounds like you guys are like Trump supporters where it's like no matter what, you know, you're like you're you're in. You don't like people on the outside criticizing you guys. You know, there might be some stuff you don't agree with, but at the same time, they're your guy. You're in. You're going to support it no matter what. And you know what? When they do something kind of controversial, like put their album on every iPhone, whether you want it or not, you guys are the ones saying, great, good move. They should be on more iPhones. No, I think the the, the party line there for you two fans was like, everybody calm down. <laughs> Which I stand by, by the way. It's like everybody <laughs> calm down a little bit here. But I get it. That was a stupid move. Uh, and uh, it should be stated, Bob, that uh, Bono, who is does a lot of the, the politics and stuff, to Bono's oh, credit. Does, does, does he? He's so, he quiet. Does, he's he so does. quiet about that. That's so I never knew that before. He sometimes has takes on <laughs> uh, the world outside music. Uh, but vocally anti-Trump, the first uh, U.S. president he's not tried to play ball with. So oh. does that does that make you like Bono a little bit more? A little bit. All right. A little bit. He's he's decent. But I'm not here. This show is not. I've tried this for years with Bob. I, I gave up years ago. But to try to make Bob love you, too. I'm out <laughs> of that business now. Oh, no, yeah, it's gone. Um, uh, there was there was a memorable casino night uh, that maybe at a Mohegan Sun in uh, <laughs> at an Indian reservation in Connecticut. Do you that remember sounds, that? That sounds right. I kind of remember that. I remember being yelled at at George Keeley's on the Upper West Side. I remember being cornered. Yelled at feels strong. But no, no, I remember it's probably your, right. Your hand was on my shoulder, and we were both obviously very drunk. And just being yelled at about, you're missing out <laughs> on the biggest band of our lifetime because you're That's too, you don't want to like him because of me. It was it became personal. It was like a big, it was very upsetting to you. <laughs> that, that all checks out. <laughs> um, so anyway, but Bob, yes, I. all that said, I want us to take a, uh, a nuanced look at Zoo Ropa, their 1993 release, and you feel free to share your unvarnished thoughts about the album and the band. I will. But I'm just a- remember that when we did fucking Ben Folds, I was very respectful. You were. You were very. I mean, you were decently respectful. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. I'll be decent. Decent, or or just go after him, and then things will get awkward. It was just, you know, it's just a matter of how this is all going to play out. I don't know yet. Here's the fun thing about Zuropa. Um, before we talked about doing this, you told me we were probably going to do Pop. So I like did Pop is the 1997 follow up to Zuropa. Right. So I didn't like do any like real research, but I saw the track listing and I'm like, okay, I know that song, that song, that song. Off the top of my head, I don't know what Zuropa is. I know I'm going to know a few of the songs, but I don't know which ones I'm going to know. So it's going to oh, be that's fun, fun for me. Okay, good. And you should know, Bob, I was thinking, because we were going to do pop, which is um, a more, I guess, controversial album in U2's canon. Don't but, care. But an album that I, that was the first U2 album that I was a fan of when it came out. So it has a lot of personal significance. But then I was thinking, like, maybe Zuropa would be more fun. And I was like, what will be the tiebreaker? And I decided earlier today that, um, Zach Morris and Say by the Bell, the college years, had a Zuropa poster in his dorm room that Mike Golick would occasionally come in and say, you can't do that, Morris. Yep. And I said, oh, Zach will guide the way. So Zach Morris had made the decision that we will do Zuropa tonight. 
Zach Morris has influenced most of our life. Everything say by the bell in general has really yeah. sent us to where we are today. When I went, when I was looking at colleges, uh, I remember going down to Maryland, and when I was in the gift shop at Towson University, they had a say by the bell poster. And I took that as a sign that this was the college I was supposed to go to. What, like a winking, ironic say by the bell poster? No, it was like a legit say by the bell poster. And then I and went to what the, year was this? Ninety seven. And they had an unironic say by the bell poster. Yeah. And then I went to the mall and the <laughs> say by the bell soundtrack was there. And I was like, all right, Maryland is clearly the place I need to go. Yeah. Maryland was maybe Maryland was like a few years behind and say by the bell was still <laughs> they're, huge. They're probably still a few years behind. Yeah. Um, all right. So Zuropa came out. Uh, July 5th, 1993. Bob. Yeah. And uh, as we are wont to do on the show. On occasion. What was going on in the world <laughs> the day after Independence Day, Bob? Now, you, you know Independence Day, right, Bob? The movie? Well, the movie was a banger. That came out, I believe, in 1996. But this is, no, the actual holiday, the federal holiday that celebrates our independence from Great Britain, Bob. Never heard of it. Let me tell you this, uh, Dan. That month, um, nothing was happening in the world. Really? There was really nothing. Like when I was looking at the news, not a lot happening. But you didn't, you already stated that you didn't do a lot of research. So everyone that's listening, if you do like a cursory amount of July 1993 research, you'll probably find a lot of good stuff. But you know, Bob, just you didn't do it. You didn't, you didn't get to work on this. No, we're good. Um, if you want to know what happened in the month that Pop came out, I can tell you a lot, <laughs> asshole. But um, no, I will tell you that it was a tremendous month for movies. Which makes sense because we're talking summer. We're talking blockbusters. We're talking tentpole projects for the big studios, see? All right, I'm going to go down this list. These are all the movies that came out in July 93. And I just want your... Your immediate reaction to each one. Here okay, we go. Ready? Immediate reaction. Robin Hood Men in Tights. Underrated and funny. Yes. Young Dave Chappelle. Old well. Mel Brooks. Poetic Justice. Oh, Janet. Yeah. Hot as shit. Tupac. Also yep. pretty hot. Pretty hot. And uh, the guy that was the mailman. Was Tupac the mailman in that? I can't remember. Great movie, though. Great movie. And my favorite Janet ballad. And we just talked about Janet last week. Yep. Uh, was it again? It was again. Wait. Wait a second, Bob, before you go on. I just want to hear a little again by Janet. Okay. We're here. Was that the name of the song? I think it was. It was one of my favorite also, although I, ne I did not do well with women uh, during this uh, period. Well, who did well with women when they're 13? I guess some people do. but Some people did, which is annoying. Oh, listen to that. I heard from a friend today. Oh, so good. Wait, did people forget about this song? I think so. Don't you dare fucking forget about Don't Again by Janet. Again. Anyway, this is the song from Poetic Justice, as I recall. Oh, listen to this. Great song. Don't sleep on that. Great artist. And Poetic Justice was very... Was that a John Singleton movie? I don't know. If it was. I don't know. Who cares? Um, <laughs> but guess what? Not even, I mean, maybe the best song of a soundtrack, but the next one on my list, Coneheads, came out that month. Oh, yeah. Oh, so I'm giving my reaction to it. Uh, Chris Farley had some funny lines in it. Yep. Chris Farley. And don't forget about what? You all right? <laughs> I don't know. You're just, I'm hearing a lot of sounds yeah, I know. There's from your equipment over there. Your equipment. Um, 
Coneheads, go ahead. Yeah, you remember the soundtrack? The best Red Hot Chili Peppers song. Oh, it's a great song. Soul, Soul to, squeeze. to Squeeze. Yeah. Which is, that's a little bit strong to say the best. Yeah, I'm going to say Under it. the Bridge? It's better than Under the Bridge? I think it is. Okay. Under the Same bridge. for the Chili Peppers podcast. That will happen, Bob, whether you want it to or not. I guess it will. Also have also coming out that month, Hocus Pocus. Okay. Uh, my takeaways on Hocus Pocus is I don't give a fuck, but people seem to like that That's movie. like... Come, that's like one of those like ironic came later like I think the gay community latched onto Hocus Pocus. Gays are into Pocus. Yeah, I think so. Like around Halloween time. Although I did like me some. It's like Bette Midler and young yeah, Sarah Jessica Parker. I did like me some young SJP. Me too. Remember the movie where she was uh, in like with like the Miami boating police. No, <laughs> was that great film? Look it up. I love her in L.A. Story, one of my favorite movies. Okay. Okay. Free Willy. Uh, a great uh, Michael Jackson song. Another song. Yeah, on that on that soundtrack. Sticking with great movies and great songs, Weekend of Bernie's 2 came out that month. Fuck, I cannot believe they did that. That was, I think, the last movie I walked out of. <laughs> you went to see Weekend of Bernie's 2? Obviously. Bob, all I remember about Weekend of Bernie's 2 is somehow Bernie, and remember, Weekend of Bernie's, the first one came out in like 1987, so now we're talking six years later, they roll out a sequel, but Bernie is still, and I don't remember, was there a time jump or was it supposed to take place the next week? We're talking about a decomposing corpse <laughs> who, uh, if I recall. I think there was uh, black magic involved. Yeah, it was. I think it was probably racist too. There was some type of Jamaican voodoo yeah, involved. We, we, can definitely assume it, we can definitely assume it was racist. Okay. Anyway, I don't think it made a lot of money. <laughs> no. In the Line of Fire came out. Love that movie. Still great. Uh, saw it recently, actually. Loved it. Clint Eastwood and a great heel turn from John Malkovich Come as down. the would-be assassin. Come down a little. You're overselling Fuck you. Bit. Fuck you. Son-in-law. Think, wait, think about... Well, wait, that's great, too. But <laughs> think about what is a better setup, Bob? And I know you work more in the comedy realm, but Clint Eastwood playing a uh, soon-to-be-retired Secret Service agent who has had a decorated career, but... He was in Dallas on 11-22-63, and it's haunted him his whole life. Right. And now here comes a new assassin looking to ice the president, and now Eastwood gets one last chance at redemption. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, he gets redemption. <laughs> well, that was a big spoil from 30 years ago. Um, rookie of the year. No, son-in-law was yeah, well, all right, one a time. young Carlo uh, Gugino yep. makes up for a young Paulie Shore. Young, I loved that movie. Ten times out of ten. I watched that movie constantly when it came out. Uh, rookie of the Year. Yeah, Henry Rowan Gartner. God, a lot of good movies. The Firm. Okay. I, I, I like Tom Cruise a lot, but I don't have takes. And last but not least, this movie came out in July 1993. Woman! Whoa, man! Whoa! She was a thief, you got a belief. She stole my heart and my cat. Of course, so I married so an axe murderer. So I married an axe murderer. Uh, it is the, I, wanna, I don't want to know if I want to call it a gem uh, in the Mike Myers canon, but I want to say it's a little bit underappreciated. He's like, he's Mike Myers understated in that movie, which is not, which is still over the top. Right. But understated for Mike Myers. And it's great. I'm trying to, who played his brother in it. It was somebody kind of famous. Not Andy Garcia. It was Anthony uh, LaPaglia. It was LaPaglia. Yeah. 
Wow, good pull there. Wow. Where's LaPaglia been? <laughs> um, if you have not seen, so I met, and a great um, uh, co-star turn from uh, Nancy Travis, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Nancy Travis. Where did these people go? I don't know. They're Where did LaPaglia, gone. they get left on the set in Vancouver they're somewhere and they they're, never got home? They're waiting for the sequel. Um, so I Married an Axe Murder. It's not even streaming or anything. It's almost like society. And he plays like, his own dad in that, where he's like doing the Scottish he's accent. He's doing the Scottish yeah. thing. Remember, he's like, head, head, dune, dune. No. He's great. like an orange on a toothpick. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Wait, we love Mike Myers. We stuff. love him. Fuck. Everybody can fuck off and make fun of Austin Powers, late period powers, and and that stupid well, hockey we, movie. Well, we, we make fun of that. Yeah. Right. Uh, but Myers. Early Myers. I wouldn't say I'm ready for Myers' comeback. I think we could leave him right where he was. But It was a good time. All right. Now, let's get to it, Bob. Uh, the first track off uh, the U2 album Zuropa, which followed uh, Act Tongue Baby, which is maybe their most critically loved album, is a song called Zuropa off the album Zuropa. Let's listen. Ooh, there's a lot of build up here, Bob. Okay. So we can talk. You want to get a Bono pot shot in before the song starts? You have time. Just get a shot in. It's fine. You know, I, I haven't prepped any. I really am coming here with open mind, open heart. Maybe I will leave this podcast a fan of you too. Don't you dangle that carrot. You <laughs> I'm dangling it. I'm dangling it. All right, here we go. Let's listen. So, this is the U2 that I miss, Bob. Okay. We'll start here. This is um, this is like the U2 at peak weirdness. That when I I got into U2 around 1995, 96, and it was fun to discover all their back catalog. But the most recent U2 albums at that stage, it was... Zuropa, this album, which is a very strange, kind of like very European, like avant garde, not radio friendly at all. Uh, and this was like the biggest band of the 80s, basically, that was putting out stuff like this. And then they put out, after this in 1995, they put out a, a fake soundtrack uh, that had a single with Pavarotti on it and it was super I strange can't again. I remember that. It was, yeah, it was a very strange, it did not do well, it didn't chart at all. And then pop, as we talked about, which had like dance elements to it and starting to get a little bit more mainstream. But this is U2 at their weirdest. And also I respected them uh, in retrospect, even though I wasn't listening to this at the time, that like they were they had earned the right to just take chances and be weird. And that's what they did here. So this is your favorite U2, like your favorite era of U2, the weird This is my favorite part of the song. Um, not my favorite era of U2, but the kind of like, in terms of being a U2 fan, it, it's 
the one that I'm like, oh, I really respect this era of U2 the most. Because right. it was just like, once they got to 2000 and they put out Beautiful Day and put out that out, all that you can't leave behind, and then everything after that was uh, them you know, trying to have radio hits and trying to be as popular as possible. And in the 90s, they just didn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. And I actually, and this is, I'm almost embarrassed saying this, but I went just this past Wednesday, Bob, to my 17th U2 show. 17, Bob. That's so many. Uh, over 21 years, starting in 97, over seven tours. I actually documented this recently. Oh, God. Uh, it's so bad. And, uh, yeah, like, they, I just think that the fact that they, at this point, didn't care. But I was at the tour. That's what I, my point was. I was at the show on Wednesday, and Bono did a song from Pop, and he introed it by saying, uh, this was from my psychedelic period. I like some of the lyrics in this, and some of them I have no idea what was going on in my life at that point. And I respect that. It's because, like, he's, because he's an alcoholic. He has a drinking problem because he's Irish, yes. Right. Uh, no, like, I think that's cool. Like, he, they were taking chances, and this song and this album is like peak weird U2. Well, I'm glad we're listening to Peak Weird U2. That's probably the most U2-y uh, area that I'm going to like. Because yeah, I, 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 know, I know what normal U2 sounds like. It's on the radio, whether you want it to be or not. I get it. Right. I've heard With or Without You 10 million times in my life. Weird U2 sounds appealing to me. It's different. And it's kind of now, they kind of... Um, moved away from it in a way like they don't really play any of these songs in concert and they're not in the like U2 canon now of the last 20 years when they go on these tours but like it kind of is like this little niche in their history here's track two niche don't you dare call it niche this song's called Babyface it's a very strange song This song, really? Yeah. I don't know why I know this song. I know this song. This uh, Adam Clayton was the bassist, or is the bassist, and he was in a relationship with Naomi Campbell at this stage. And this will come up again with the next song. Uh, so this was a stage where the Zoo TV tour was going on, which is still the one tour I, you know, I didn't see that I've always wanted to see. What is like for you, Bob? The one band one tour, one era that you would love to see someone live? Because me, it's U2, Zoo TV, 1993. Who would it be for you? I think we've, have we talked about this. I feel like I put you on the spot once and you weren't ready for it, but now I think you're going to be ready for it. I'll what? throw it out there. Bob Dylan, 75 Blood on the Tracks <laughs> tour. Something like that. 75. <laughs> um, no, I would go with uh, 
Pearl Jam. Ooh, that's great. Like first Lollapalooza. Like, oh yeah, okay. Just when they're when they broke, they were touring with that like confidence of ten being huge, and they were just doing the Lollapalooza thing with like bands like the Smashing Pumpkins. So you would pick a festival, and Lollapalooza was like the festival. Right, that was like the festival. That's a good one to see, like Jane's Addiction at that time. Like it's a bit of a been... cheat, but I also respect that you. you beat but it the was system. there. It was there specifically for Pearl Jam, so it would be like Pearl Jam at their Lollapalooza era. What about like Billy Joel on the "We Did Start the Fire" tour? That, that wasn't the name of the that tour. Would be great but that would if be a was great the name of the name. tour. That would be. <laughs> God, 17 Just times. Just imagine the merch. Sorry, I'm still stuck on yeah. you seeing them 17 times. I know. Well, I can't think of anything I've done 17 times. I've I seen, know. I've definitely seen like, seen the Yankees 17 times. But that's different. Every, think, it's think, different seasons, think, different. I think I've know. had sex 17 times. <laughs> 14. I've counted. I'm rounding up. Uh, that's it. Those are the only two things. No, I've, I was thinking Wednesday when I was going with my wife, I was like, I'm still super excited. I know every song, for the most part, I've heard before. I'm way into it. Now I kind of understand, although I still can't. There are people like Grateful Dead fans. Yeah. I've seen the band 400 times. I don't even think I could do that. But I see, you know, every tour now, I see them once or twice, and it adds up because we're getting old. Right. And U2 is getting old. Um, anyway, so I was going to say Adam Clayton was banging a little uh, Naomi Campbell at the time. This is about watching supermodels on a videotape and fantasizing about them supermodels huge in 1993 oh my god people were like way in on supermodels what was the deal with that that was an insane like pret-a-porter remember that was that everybody yeah, said like uh, pret-a-porter and it was like oh there's a cindy crawford nude scene oh linda evangelista doesn't get out of bed for less than ten thousand dollars like there was a big whole supermodel thing yeah we uh we have a friend uh, with a very similar name to Linda Evangelista, a surname, who told us, like he swore in a stack of Bibles, that Linda Evangelista was his cousin. Which is completely bullshit. Yeah. Did he ever cop to that? <laughs> no, he still hasn't cop to that. Number one, your names are your last names are different. Right. By at least one letter. There's one vowel missing. <laughs> it was Evangelist and, and Evangelista. And number two, even if you had the same last name, still wouldn't believe you. Just but you got to go with it, I guess. Uh, here's track three with a unusual um, uh, aspect to it, Bob. It is the edge on vocals. Numb. Don't shake, just balance on the fence. Don't answer, don't ask, don't try and make sense. Don't whisper, don't talk, don't run. If you can walk, don't cheat, don't beat, don't miss the one who... This is my introduction to rap. This, <laughs> this, hold on, this is a big moment. This, this song is the only time in, in recorded history that I was a bigger U2 fan than you. Mm, interesting. Because I loved this when it, in 1993. I have like a very distinct memory of listening to this at a listening station and being like, this is so cool. I love this song. <laughs> like, this is, who, what's what's the deal with this U2 band? And then, then it fell off very quickly. But knowing that you got into them a little bit later, this was, for a, for a brief period of time, 
I was a bigger YouTube fan than you. You were. You had that moment. But I like this part. Um, and this is kind of what I was getting at, Bob. Like, uh, this is the same band that 10 years later was putting out Sunday Bloody Sunday and Pride and seven years earlier with or without you and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And now, like, what the fuck is this? Like, the, I, I, whether you're a YouTube fan or not, I feel like it's, how could you not admire them just like kind of being out there at this stage yeah. in their career? Great video with like the foot in this guy's face. That's right. Cool. So the, uh, the feet, Bob, it, on one side, it's Naomi Campbell's foot. On the other side, it's Christy Turlington's foot. Supermodels. Supermodels. <laughs> what was up with the obsession with supermodels? Well, though? it's weird that we've gone from supermodels to Instagram models. Yeah, I guess it's all like a... It's cyclical. A natural evolution. I guess. Evolution. But this was, a, this was actually a single, and also they performed it at the MTV Music Awards... I think, like, did Dana Carvey perform on it on drums? Oh, that sounds right. Isn't something really weird? As Garth? As Garth. Probably. did something really weird happen? That with... sounds right, yeah. And uh, Edge just sat in a chair in, like, a purple suit and did the entire song. But that was just you two being experimental, man. They were just doing their <laughs> thing. They were so comfortable. <laughs> They didn't give a fuck, Bob. They were taking chances. Yes. That's great. All right. Yes. Here we go. This is another bizarre song and one of my favorite YouTube songs, period. Let's listen. You like this one, this right, is my favorite. We've talked about this. This is my favorite YouTube song. Okay, here we go. Let's listen. I'm excited. <laughs> famous falsetto which he kind of debuted the previous album bizarre it's about like, his dead mother by the way really yeah. oh that kind of ruins it for me yeah well that's that's art bob you know she wore a, a a yellow dress that he would dream about it was a lemon color dress it's all about his dead mother. what's he talking about here man builds his men this building is the something? edge again i don't know what this is about i have no idea what the fuck this song is about that's kind of what i'm talking about i don't know what is exactly going on? I think it was some type of like German propaganda video or something that they saw. I, I would have to do some research that I'm not prepared to do right now. It's pretty fucking weird. And another single. It's a Yeah, I remember this being a single. I remember the video. It's just fun. It's like a good song. The video, um, and my favorite part's coming up, uh, but my... The video is like it just showed them doing different things and there'd be text underneath explaining exactly what yep. they were doing. Like a man walking on treadmill. Did this win some uh, VMAs? 
think it might have. Maybe okay. nominated. I don't know. Um, I mean, um, I was a bigger U2 fan than you at the you're time. You're a huge so. fan of U2 at this point. Yeah. I don't know. I've talked about this before on this podcast, but like 1993, like this is when we kind of became friends after our um, hiatus. Right. Our, we were buddies in the late 80s. We took a break. We were on a break. Yay. Friends. Classic. And then um, summer of 93 during a... A just a terrible time. Double sessions and soccer. I mean, can you think of anything worse? And this is like before society had uh, said, "Hey, let's you know, switch out for these kids a little bit with this, some of these <laughs> fucking summer practices." No, this was when it was like, "Hey, you little fucks, you're gonna get up at 7 a.m. and I know it's your summer vacation. Summer vacation. Come down to the field. <laughs> Come down to the it's field. It's humid as fuck because we're in New York. It is New York in August." Come down to this fucking field, do a shit ton of conditioning. I mean, an ass load. A lot of, of perimeters, a lot of running around both soccer and football fields, just over and over. Again. A ton of that, and then it's like, oh, you feel like you're gonna die, and you may have thrown up at some point during practice. Uh, that's a wrap. It's 10 a.m. See you too for the next <laughs> practice, where we do the same thing, only fucking worse. Yeah, and this was soccer. Soccer. We weren't playing football. We were just. We were soccer players. And now, my soccer career, I had an interesting career arc. That <laughs> I like that you're calling it a career. Yeah. When I was uh, eight and we were uh, doing Mighty Midgets, I was... That's, a, that's offensive. You can't say that anymore. <laughs> no, yeah. Mighty Little People Soccer. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I was a goalie. I was a, quite a good goalie. In fact, I was the star goalie of a team that went undefeated. And uh, I got MVP honors in 1988. So I, I wow. had promise at the position. It never really translated in high school. Uh, but one thing that happens when you, you're a goalie when you're eight and you continue to play soccer is you never learn any of the other fundamentals. Goalies in general get fucked. Right. So what would happen at the end of these fucking practices, and we were 13, we were eighth graders, and we'd be practicing with the seniors and the varsity guys. Yeah was the practice would end with everyone needs to juggle and you would have to juggle 10 times. And if you don't know in soccer what a juggle is, it's like you pick the ball up and you have to tap it, tap it, tap with your foot or your chest or your head. Or your head. And if you couldn't do it, the your whole knees. team right. had to run. Had to run a perimeter. A perimeter. And for the guys that had even a basic skill level in soccer, they could do it with their eyes closed. Yeah. But for people like Bob and myself, and me even worse, because I never really learned that shit because I was just always a goalie, like, it was terrifying to oh, yeah. do that. No, I just never knew how to juggle. And when it would come to me, whatever the number was, I felt like I always fell, like, one or two short. And, like, people were, like, rooting for me, like, oh, like, I disappointed know. us again. And then we would have to go run a fucking perimeter. It was awful. Anyway, that's when our friendship rekindled, and uh, we were listening to the uh, first Counting Crows album a lot, and that's right around the time when I got into music, so I kind of missed, I was, this was right before I got into music, and here's the next song on Zuropa, it is Stay, parenthetical, far away, comma, so close, slammer, close parenthetical. Too much, too much happening. <laughs> Don't even want to, hey now, 
you've already listened to the song on the podcast. I made fun of it when uh, Jason Zumwalt was here and you got mad at me. Yeah, it was kind of some hacky like humor about uh, the storytelling of the song, yeah, as I recall. Yeah, the lyrics are kind of very beat poetry. Right. Perhaps. It's very it's very Mike Myers woman. <laughs> <laughs> woman. Seven <laughs> Eleven. How do you know he didn't see that movie and he was just like <laughs> taking notes? I guess it was of the time. What could I say? Um, now, Counterpoint, this is one of my favorite U2 songs. Really? Ever. Okay. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I love the guitar sound. I like the storytelling in it and I like uh, the chorus a lot, which is great. And I do, Bob, I have to tell you, you might not know this. I fucking love Bono's voice. I would assume so. 17 Extremely times. emotive. Let's listen. Come on, it's a nice chorus. I like the chorus a lot. I like the chorus way more than I like the verses. But has this ever been has this ever been in a movie or anything? It's very cinematic. Uh, it was, I think, um, in a movie, but not a. It was like a. You ever hear of Wim Wenders? It's one of those names only you two fans know, but no, it's absolutely some type not. of filmmaker. Fuck you for even asking me if I've ever heard of Wim Wenders. I don't know. You work in the industry. What industry? <laughs> What the, the fuck, what the fuck is a Wim Wenders? God damn it. What anyway. world are you in? You're in too deep. I right. don't even know what other he, people know anymore. I'll tell you, he's a German filmmaker. Oh, my though. God. <laughs> and the German filmmaker put out a movie called Far Away, Comma, So Close! Exclamation point. <laughs> asked you two to write a song for it. And this is what happened. Anyway. I quite like that song. Uh, it was well received by, according to Wikipedia, Bob, well received by critics, not Jason Zumwalt and Bob Castrone, uh, <laughs> but nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Original Song. A Golden Globe? So it was oh, in that movie. Fucking Wim Wenders, Bob! <laughs> Fucking Wenders, bro! He's in the industry! Should have been like City of Angels or something. Uh, I will put anything that Wenders ever did up against Flock of Dudes. Fuck that guy. I am caping for Wim Wenders. Does uh, Wim Wenders have Hannibal Burris in his movie? Probably not. He Come on. He doesn't. Fuck you, Wenders. All right, let me, as I scroll down this Wikipedia page, this is when I will understand why people get annoyed with Bono. Uh, just, you do understand. To your credit, you understand. Oh, I get it. Uh, but there's a picture of Frank Sinatra, and then it says, Stay, parenthetical, far away, comma, so close, slammer, close parenthetical, was inspired by the music of Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I get why that's a little annoying. Come on. Uh, we, we should calm down a little bit shut with that. Um, but I do. I, I truly love that song. And in uh, uh, the favorite, my favorite U2 tour was the Elevation tour in 2001. And they did um, a great acoustic version of that. So everybody else can fuck off. Daddy loves stay. 
All right, fine. Don't look at me when you say that. <laughs> That's gross. All right, it's about to get weirder, Bob. Here we go. This next song is called Daddy's Gonna Pay for Your Crashed Car. Hate it already. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> All right, you gonna you ready for some industrial beats? No. song by the way seven minutes of this i don't know if you're kidding or not but i would not be surprised <laughs> all right here we go no, is it, it, wait by the way is it seven minutes long do you want to know how long the song called daddy's gonna pay for your crash car it is five minutes and 20 seconds long. too long here we go uh too long This is like what I imagine the dialogue in the human centipede is. <laughs> oh, Daddy's alone. Is that what he said? I don't know. I never actually saw the human centipede. Me neither. I saw like the scene where um, <clears throat> the guy goes like, feed him. Right. Which is pretty harrowing. Well, one of my very good friends, who you know very well, uh, he has been dating the girl from the human centipede for many many years yes he has so i've loved being able to tell people that i've had one third of the human centipede at my wedding which was a great feat for me yeah that's true it's pretty exciting that's true um yeah i i think that I, you don't it's i'm not gonna say you don't have a point that this could be on the human centipede soundtrack daddy likes <laughs> <laughs> the lyrics here it's ridiculous um i don't know what this song's about i'm good yeah i don't know what it's about. yeah I, I would call it a mid-album filler. A, That's a member, definitely but, some mid-album yeah. filler right there. But Bob, do you want to know what Bono? How he described it? No, because it's, it's not going to make me like Bono anymore. He described he it as being about dependence and heroin addiction. So, plug in, bro. Maybe the worst song about heroin addiction. There have been some great songs There's about been great songs heroin addiction. That one's not ranking. Did you know, Bob, that the Independence Andy Gill praised the song as one of the best album tracks, noting its resemblance to David Bowie's always crashing in the same car? Fuck you, Bob. <laughs> the weird thing is it sounds like you're reading, but you're staring at me dead in the eyes and you just know all these things and you just speak like a robot when you say it. The, one of my favorite actual I love. I don't know if you know this, Bob. I love reading album reviews. I don't know if you're into it. I love it. I used to be like I, I was it. very into it for a long time, but now I just don't keep up with that stuff my favorite um record reviewer is a man by the name of steven thomas Earlwine, who writes for allmusic.com okay he noted that song's quiet menace there's a little bit of quiet menace give it a give, it, give it a pop there about little quiet menace <laughs> okay i'll agree there's some quiet menace there all right let's move on good job billy Irwin. what was his name do not disrespect steven thomas Earlwine. <laughs> I've never said his name out loud because I've never shared that nugget with anyone. <laughs> That's a very I love his work. Idea. All right, this song is called Some Days Are Better Than Others. 
two cents on this go ahead how do you two fans feel about this song uh it's a song that doesn't really hold like it's not it's kind of just a song that's there i think people that like the album like the song but i've never heard anybody say this is my favorite u2 song reminds me a little bit of uh she's electric Mm. Oasis. Oh where, yeah, I can see that. Where with it's kind of like referring to some type of female protagonist. Well, it's like a little corny, and it's yeah. kind of like if you're a fan, you're gonna be like, "This is great. It's a it's a good compliment to the album." But if you're not, you just kind of listen to it like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, I like the bass line in it a lot, and I like uh, the chorus. Is kind of there's not a lot of choruses period on this album, so like oh, this is true. like a defined yeah. chorus, and it has a little bit more of a natural structure, and it also has a. Um, a really like, cool, weird edge guitar solo in it, which is going to come in a little bit. But uh, I like it a lot. This is probably one of my favorite songs on the album. It reminds me of a song in like a bad musical where like the third main character gets his big moment and they're like, some days are this, <laughs> some days are that. And like that's their one song. That's what this sounds like to me. Um, I don't like that you called it a bad musical, but that's, <laughs> that's you being a bad guy. I've it's seen a, some bad musicals. So. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. You go to a lot of musicals? I used to. Not a lot, but I've seen seen my share. All right. All right. Like, what's like a bad musical that you saw? I don't I, I, Oh, there was one called uh, Well. Well. Was, was it like a Broadway or it was it like talking off, off it was Broadway? Off Broadway, yeah. Who'd you go with? I had a girlfriend who was into, you know, oh, that scene. Right. So we would go do a bunch of those things. That sounds horrible. <laughs> oh, that sounds so bad. What was well a musical? I, don't, I saw some bad stuff. <sighs> All right. Uh, next track, we uh, eight track, eight, eighth track, Bob. Good news, Bob. Only 10 tracks on the album. So you're you're hanging in there. We're doing good. And I'm proud of you. Um, this is a great song. Uh, one of my favorite, like, YouTube slow burn ballads it's definitely on the sleep sex mix bob definitely and uh and i know you know this is another thing was stay parenthetical far away parenthetical so close dot 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 exclamation point forever (laughs) on the sex mix Uh, as well i think it might have been probably i have to dig it up i gotta dig it up i'm going home next month to new york and i'm gonna find that cd uh here is the first time Like no other Thanks She got so, so, so Sweet soul And she teach me How to sing Shows me colors When there's none to see Gives me hope When I can't believe That for the first time 
Anyway, I really uh, like this song. Why'd you say yikes, Bob? What was the first line? He rhymes like other with lover. It was just a little too, a little too on the nose. Oh, uh, you're you're a true lyricist, Bob. Unlike that hack, Bono. Is that what you're saying, Bob? Well, I'm. You saying know how to write a song. Listen to a lot of music, and even when my favorite artists do stuff like that, you know, like we've talked about right. Pete Yorn having sort of like that for like burrito. You know, where like All right. there's a line where you're kind of like, eesh. that was right. one of those lines that made me feel a little like, eesh. I have a lover, a lover like no other. It's, yeah, I don't think that's a, that bad. I also don't like when people rhyme, uh, she's my baby, and I don't mean maybe. Like, I, I, the I don't mean maybe line I'm sick of, because people do that so many times. That always makes me go like, eh. So you have a rhyming. There are certain thing. rhymes that get me. Yeah, and that was one of those. All right, Bob. Well, uh, Shut the fuck up, you asshole. See, if, you know what? If it was anybody but Bono, if it was any other artist on the entire fucking planet that I criticized one line in a song, you would maybe not even agree with me. You probably would. Shut up. Shut up. But it's Bono, so I got to be, I got to walk on fucking eggshells around Bono. Shut the fuck up. It's can't a perfect even, line. Can't even it's criticize so line. well written. It's wonderful. If Noel Gallagher wrote that line, you would agree it's ridiculous. No, he could never write that line. <laughs> okay. Now listen, Bob. Open your fucking ears. No, but listen to the piano coming here. It's real. Listen to the music. I'm ready for something. Get over your Bono bullshit and listen to the I music. I criticized one line and now it's Bono bullshit. <laughs> All right, listen to it. This is a major feel song. I love the sound. I love the back background noise, uh, the synthesizer, and I love that piano. Do you do you only fuck in slow motion? How do you fuck? To this? Oh yeah. <laughs> this is tender, Bob. This is tender. No, this love is making. tender. This is all I want to do is make love to you kind of music. <laughs> I get it. All I want to do is make love to you. I could definitely sleep to this. Why do you have? Would your sex mix have like? My Doorbell by the White Stripes, no, it as just, our friend once did. As the same friend with the human centipede girl. Oh, my God. Think about it. It all <laughs> makes sense. Wow. And yes, it would. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, how could a sex mix have anything else? I don't know. I never really thought about it until we started doing this podcast. But <laughs> it's like, what would you put, like, in terms of a upbeat music? There's a lot of options. I want to hold your hand? Yeah, obviously. Anything with like hand Hold my hand, Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> Any Hootie works. Only want to be with you, Hootie. Like you're just like Any slamming no, vagina to uh, that song. Old Man and Me, the second album, Hootie. When I get to heaven. That one. By the way, you're just deflecting because you're like, oh, no, I actually I couldn't actually put a faster song. The Black Keys, the Rolling Stones. There are so many different. Which Rolling Stones song would you put on your sex mix? I mean, you could do. She's so cold. Start me oh, up. Oh, there are songs, but I'm wondering what would be on yours. What would be on mine? Yeah. Or what has been on yours. Give me the stone song. So I, I can picture you fucking too. <laughs> That's so creepy. <laughs> so creepy. All right, here's Dirty Day. I don't know you. You don't know the half of it. 
started wrong I was the bad guy who walked out They say be careful where you aim Cause where you aim you just might hit You can hold on to something so tight You've already lost it Dragging me down That's not the way it is to be You can't even remember What I'm trying to forget Here's Dirty Day. They played this a lot on the Zoo TV tour, and it has not shown up since, but this would be one of my favorite songs on the album. Your thoughts, Bob? Zero thoughts. You got nothing on it? Yeah, I don't know. I still don't have a feel for it. I don't know. Does does more stuff happen? Mm, That's kind of it. Okay. This is kind of what it is. Is this, uh, what track are we on, nine? This is nine. Okay. Um... Oh, I do like this part. Let's just listen to this. Alright, I think I have a thought. Okay. I don't know if I like it, but I like how weird it is. Like, there have been a few tracks where I just, it just doesn't sound like anything to me, where it's right. like not really trying anything like that, um, that one that was about That he's going to pay for your crash heroin. car? Yeah. It's like, yeah. all right, this is nothing. <laughs> right. This, I at least, like, I like how weird it is, and I bet if I listened to it a lot, it would really become one of those songs. Like, a lot of, like, pulp songs kind of do that, where it's like, the first time I hear it, I'm like, uh, and then right. the more you hear it, you're like, oh, this is weird and cool. That's yeah. what I think this is. I Okay, yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, it's a good point. And I do like, I think what I like about the album, and it just came up in that little portion I just played, was that it's kind of a weird, spacey, a little bit distant type album. And then every once in a while, like these little parts come up in the song where it gets kind of, it gets a lot more kind of intimate and interesting. I, I think they really, I don't think it's a perfect album. I think it's, more of an experiment than like an outright like huge success. Mm-hmm. But I think it definitely is really good in terms of it's like a it's cohesive and being like a it's a it's it's a piece of it's, it's a piece one of piece of right. art. Exactly. It's like it's not like all these different singles slapped together. Nothing sounds like it doesn't belong. Here. Right. Right. Which I, is cool. I agree. I agree with that. Totally. I like that. I like that in albums. They don't really <laughs> like these kids today, these millennials, they don't even really They only know singles. But do they are there albums like this now? Maybe there are. I don't want to Maybe be that there guy. Maybe there are. There probably are. Um, all right. There's uh, track nine. Uh, before we go to the final track, which is um, a very interesting track, Bob. Um, I do want to play one song from this recording session that uh, was held or not finished at the time. 
I'm going to um, I'm going to reject that because I've agreed to a U2 album. <laughs> I have not agreed to ancillary U2 content. So <laughs> veto to that idea. Um, I got I have bad news. I, I do have the laptop. <laughs> Fuck. And uh, I will play a song that was not uh, on the album, but came out a year later. You're never going to let me leave this garage. And are you? you will love this band. And immediately you could tell why it wasn't on Zuropa. It doesn't fit, right? Even though it was in the same recording session. Right. Uh, let's listen. And obviously I know this song. This is track one, Bob, on the Batman Forever soundtrack. Absolutely, it is, yeah. Uh, which was upstage, even though this was a big modern rock hit, it was upstage, of course, by the seal banger, uh-huh. Kiss from a Rose. I'm about to give Bono more credit than I've ever given him before. Holy shit. Wait, let me get my pants down. <laughs> there it is. Wow. Well, the bass. Trim the bass. <laughs> um,. That's a little Boyd Tinsley joke. No, I got it. I got Boyd it. Tinsley bit. I thought people. you meant bass, like the the sound, <laughs> but no, you're talking about the bass of your cock shaft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Um, for Bono to record this and know that this is a clear single, but have the restraint to be like it doesn't fit on Zuropa, that's impressive. I give no, him a, good, I give him a lot of credit for that because yeah. this is obviously a single, especially in the context of everything we've just listened to. And you know the label was probably like, uh, we can't tell you what to do because you're U2, but please put this song on the album. And they didn't do it. Uh, that's very perceptive, Bob. I like that because as a YouTube nerd, um, they were going out of their way not to sound like U2 yeah. at this point or put out things that were overtly commercial. And the, the point, and some U2 fans have called the point of no return, fast forward seven years when they're getting ready to put out all that you can't leave behind when they're recording beautiful day. Uh, and there's a very famous edge guitar sound in that, that, um, uh, they had not really used at all in the nineties. And, and, uh, edge said in the recording of beautiful day is like, do we really want to use what they called it a Coca-Cola riff, which was like, this is what I sound like. This is what U2 sounds like. Do we really want to do a song where it sounds exactly what U2 sounds like? And Bono was like, no, fuck you. That sounds too good. Let's use it. And from that point onward, they always kind of tried to sound like U2. Right. Which came with some positives if you were a U2 fan. But also, you kind of lost this version of the band, which was, we are already one of the biggest bands in the world, or if not the biggest. Let's be weird. Let's go out of our way not to. Speaking of going out of our way, yes. before we get into the last song, yes, we should go out of our way. Nice. Ooh, ooh, I like the seg. And thank yes. our Patreon sponsors with a quick little advertisement. <laughs> what is an advertisement? It's like an advertisement, but like with a spin. Mispronounced. Mispronounced. Yes. Here we go. It's our last podcast in May, which means we're going to talk about Stu's Wood. <laughs> you love talking about Stu's Wood. His product is unbelievable. His wood? It, it is amazingly uh, hard. 
Stu's would. Yeah. So you go to at Stu's We're still wood. doing the dick jokes with this ad read. I like we it. We didn't have to. You immediately I can't went, help it. You can't help it. We're just Literally, mad. the product's called Stu's Wood. We're talking about a guy's wood. And you're asking us, men of limited means in terms of bits and intelligence, to go anywhere else but dick jokes. No, it's not going to happen. We have to. So uh, go look at Stu's Wood on Instagram, at Stu's Wood. You can follow Stu's Wood on Twitter. Should we Stu's say what wood. Stu's Wood is? It's wood. No, he carves. He's a he's a wonderful artist. He's able to carve all sorts of designs with his wood. I uh, have a trophy from Stu's you Wood. You talk about this trophy every week. It's, we get it. You listen, have a trophy. It's a trophy that I won on my more successful podcast. Never heard of it. And uh, Stu did great work. He also does coasters. He does all sorts of things. And that's why I refresh his Instagram on the reg, Bob. On the reg. Stu's Wood. That's Stu's, Stu's wood. wood. Stu's Wood. His name's not Stu. Nope. Stu's Wood. Hey, it's been one week since uh, we wanted to find love for Bruno. I don't know if he found love. He might have. And in, in which case, this is unnecessary, a superfluous ad. But if Bruno is yet to find love. Which is possible, but not probable. Let's find Bruno love. Um, with the email address Bruno the sponsor at gmail.com Bruno Bruno is a single 37 year old Canadian who is a, a fan of the podcast right he's looking to meet another fan of the podcast he, he might have a symmetrical face he could have a symmetrical according face according to Twitter he, he might have one Canadians are very friendly you know you get a nice guy there typically friendly folk typically yes. friendly folk so if you're a single female looking for a 37 year old Canadian we found him Bruno the sponsor. And if you have not, uh, you know, moved up in the weight class for payment for this show, uh, just realize what could happen if you are also single. Uh, you like, could also do this. Imagine as well. if Bruno finds love from this podcast and then you're like, oh, I'm single, too. You could be next. That could become what our podcast is about. <laughs> that would be weird. All right, Bruno. Good luck. Good luck, Bruno. And we are back with the final track of Zero Bob. You made it to the end. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Normally we drink on the pod. I've just been doing straight heroin the entire time <laughs> just to get through it. Because of daddy's going to pay for your crash car. I was like, that just hit you so hard. Heroin's cool again. Uh, all right, here we go. I went out walking yes. through streets paved with gold. Lifted some stones, saw the skin and bones of a city without a soul. said goodbye yeah I went with nothing nothing but the thought of you I went wandering that is of course Johnny Cash making his throwback podcast uh, <laughs> premiere yes. debut uh, on the Wanderer the final track of Zuropa and I, Bob, he, this introduced Johnny Cash to a whole new generation. And also, I think it's kind of brilliant to have this like old country singer uh, set against the backdrop of this weird sonic landscape. I think it really works well. Your thoughts? I mean, my thoughts are that I just want to start going into the end credits of the podcast and put this on the playlist right now. <laughs> because... Much like I don't know, um, what was the guy's name? Whit Merrifield? 
Whit- Wim Wenders, bro. <laughs> that guy's a fucking talent. Luckily, like I don't know Whit Wenders or the uh, the move, the music reviewer that you're obsessed with as well. Stephen Thomas Erlewine, <laughs> so Bob. Random dudes. <laughs> Uh, I don't you don't know anything about the world. I don't dude. think you know how much of a Johnny Cash fan I am. Well, like, maybe I don't. I don't think you do. Like I listen to Johnny Cash more than most music that I listen to. Hmm. So I know that I'm very familiar with this song. Really? I love this song. It's weird that it's a U2 song because to me it's a Johnny Cash song. Right. Bono wrote the lyrics too. You okay with the lyrics? I'm okay one? with the lyrics. Fucking asshole. <laughs> These are the best lyrics he's ever written when it's sung by Johnny Cash. Um, no, this makes me so happy. I did not know that this was the last song on the album. I'm like, this gener- This like really perked me up. I'm very happy right now. I'm so happy that it did that for you, Bob. Uh, we do have a problem, though. If we really, uh, if we if we want to make this the song on the Spotify playlist. Now I'm not gonna. I don't. I'm absolutely not gonna pick the song. You have to pick the song, but but do you know what the so problem you know. I'm referring to? Because it's kind of famous amongst YouTube fans, and I would imagine uh, people that work at bars where this song has been played. No, I don't know what the problem is. Okay, I'm gonna tell you. Okay, so this is the last song in the album. Oh no! What do, what do they do? Ready. Is there like 72 minutes of silence or something? It's actually worse than that. No. (laughs) What the fuck? I feel like this is actually done to fuck you, (laughs) man. Did somebody just try to steal the CD from the wall at the mall? Come on. What was that? I I think, uh, honestly, it's... Uh, apparently, this is the same sound DJs hear after 10 seconds of dead air on the radio. Oh, wow. How about that? Um, but I've, put, I've played that in jukeboxes before just for that moment. That's amazing. Because it is a... Horrible sound. <laughs> that must freak people out. And we, uh, and if we want to make that the Spotify playlist song, no, we don't have to because clearly that's awful. <laughs> and fuck you, Bono. And can I tell you something? For all the things that I could say, fuck you to Bono for. Fuck you, Bono. And by that. the way, I think Bono got the last laugh on you, Bob, because he was so close to being on the Spotify playlist and his, and not even being the singer of a U two song. But he had that chime, and he had the chime, and because he had the chime, lemon. Yes. All right. I'm okay with that. I'm still happy. <laughs> we'll be on the Spotify playlist. Happy. Thank you for man. all time. Uh, so there you go. YouTube Zuropa. Uh, are you a YouTube fan now, Bob? I. You know what? I think I enjoyed. There's ten tracks on this. Yes. At least forty percent of this. So that's fine. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll In baseball, you're Ted Williams. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm on my way to becoming a YouTube fan. Oh, that's, that's, again, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta trim the bass after hearing that. <laughs> Don't trim anything. Um, before we go, thank you to all our fans. We do have a few people we have to tell to go fuck themselves. Uh, who we gotta tell? Well, first of all, I'm gonna tell a friend of mine. Her name's Amanda. You tell a woman to go fuck herself? Well, you know what? In this climate, Bob? In this climate. Think about it. 
uh, friend from college. Her nickname I can't even say in today's climate. Jesus Christ, what's her nickname? I can't even say it. But hey, uh, hey, Amanda, go fuck yourself. Jesus. Okay, give me a guy. Start doing a little more business. <laughs> oh. Tell people where to find us. Throwback Pod on Twitter. Throwback Pod on Instagram. The Throwback Pod on Gmail if you want to reach out. And of course, if you want to uh, get involved on Patreon, Patrone. Patreone. Patreone. Uh, Patreon.com uh, slash Throwback Pod if you want to contribute and keep the show alive. Uh, also, I want to ask Colin Kingren. Colin Kingren, go fuck yourself. Are you asking him or are you telling him? Go fuck yourself? That's a question. I'm asking. Do the last one. Oh, Derek McBean. Yeah. I don't even even have to say. No. Derek, I'm not the first person to tell you this. Go fuck yourself. Derek, you know it's time to go fuck yourself. All right. So we'll be back uh, with another episode of the podcast, the Throwback Podcast. What, in two weeks, Bob? Uh, No, I mean, we, we take a week off and then we're back, so... A week off and then we're back. So, so two, two, two weeks, weeks is what I'm saying. Fucking asshole. Fuck you. You know what? You go think you me. could write a better song than Bono? Just don't I'd rhyme. like to see you try. Don't rhyme other with lover. Come on. We've done it already. <laughs> All right. Until uh, next time, this is uh, Dan signing off for Bob. Go fuck yourself. Oh. Oh.